Good morning, Grandview. Welcome to the sermon for this Sunday on the 26th, Prayer at its Best. I wonder if you have a similar problem that I have. Sometimes my mind wanders when I pray. As I begin to pray for some of you, I think about past pleasant memories of uh, you or your children, and my mind begins to run down paths of pleasant times and past events. And before long, what began as an earnest time of prayer has now become a walk down memory lane. And I have also, at the time, frightening thoughts of what I'm worried about enters in my mind. I need a prayer list. All of us, I think, do. And if you've ever done this, don't be too hard on yourself. It happens to the best of us. Matter of fact, we're going to see this morning that it happened to the Apostle Paul. He lost his place as well. When we finally get back on track with our prayer life and our thoughts are all kind of focused, we try to remember what to pray for. We pray for people and their needs. Yes, we pray for items that we're struggling with. Yes, we pray for things that God wants to accomplish in our life. We pray for sin that we need to avoid. Yes, all those things, yes. But sometimes our prayer life runs dry. We, we don't know what to pray for. And as we look at a passage this morning found in Ephesians chapter 3, Paul's going to give us some, pray, some great prayer topics that we can include in our own prayers. Things that will make us much more effective for ourselves and for others. So turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. And if you're at home with your children, pull out the Bible or show them where you're seeing it there on your tablet or phone. In this passage, we have already looked at a prayer earlier in the book of Ephesians. The first prayer in found in verses 14 to 19 of chapter 1. And that first prayer, excuse me, in verses 15 to 23 is a prayer of enlightenment. We're going to look at the second major prayer here in Ephesians chapter 3, starting at verse 14. And verses 14 to verse 19 are again one long run-on sentence in the original. And so as we do that, notice, starting at verse 14, for this reason. Now, stop right there. Look back at verse 1 of chapter 3. And you're going to see, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles. And then he goes into this long discussion about the mystery of the church and his ministry. He then realized, I started a prayer, but never finished. So he goes back in verse 14 and says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. So he got sidetracked too. And Paul begins again this prayer. He said first, I, I bow my knees before the Father. That's a somewhat unusual statement because first century Jewish people often prayed standing up. They prayed often with their arms lifted up. 
Very seldom did they kneel. Here, Paul kneels. What, what is he doing? What is he saying? He's reflecting an attitude of humble submission before God. He is expressing deep adoration, reverence, urgency, a sense of awe over what is taking place. One author said, Paul was experiencing bended knee and a yielded heart. Is that not to be our posture as well as we go to prayer? However, we're standing or sitting or laying down or prostrate on the ground. Bended knee, yielded heart. He prays to the Father. And it says, from whom every family on heaven and earth is named. What Paul is saying is that the family, all the families of the earth, God, the Father, is the creator of every family on earth. I could, therefore can say, there is no place for racism. There, this is not only an attack on others, this is an attack on the very fatherhood of God himself. So Paul is reminding us we're all in the same family, the family of man. He then goes on, starting in verse 16, to talk about the prayer that he wishes to pray for us. And as this prayer unfolds, and you see the outline here in front of you, the first Request the first petition is found in verse 16. And then each petition layers on top of that and builds this superstructure. So let's look at verse 16. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. The first blank that you need to fill in is inner spiritual strength. And that comes from the phrase, in your inner being, this inner man, this, this core of my spiritual life. If you'd like another reference, jot down 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16, which talks about this inner man. And Paul starts his prayer, this great prayer, with a ask to be strengthened in the spiritual core of his life. So he will receive all the blessings that God desires for him. And as we pray this for us, it's for us as well too. And notice in the text, this is a work of the Holy Spirit. I cannot increase my capacity. I cannot increase my strength. Only God can do this through the power of the Holy Spirit. As you read this first petition, the immensity of the wonderful thing that God wants to do in us, we, we realize again, we are totally inadequate to do this on our own. 
Notice also in the passage, according to the riches of his glory. It's without measure. It's out of these riches that he wishes to bring to our life blessing and strength. And notice it's according to his riches, not out of his riches. Just imagine if you happened to meet Bill Gates and, and you did something for him and he opened his wallet and out of his wallet he gave you a 20 to say thank you. That would be out of his riches. But if all of a sudden you did something for him and he didn't open his wallet, he opened his checkbook and he paid you a thank you gift according to his riches. Do you think a 20 spot would cover it? No. It would be far more because Bill Gates is a very rich man. And what Paul is saying, that God is going to work and strengthen us according to his riches, not out of them. Now, also in your outline here, what are the results of each of these steps of prayer? Paul is praying in this very first petition that he would, God would enhance our spiritual capacity. If you look at our steps of discipleship, Paul wants us to grow and understand who he is. Now just imagine that um, you had something like this, uh, M&Ms. We all, now don't think about calories this morning. Just think about this. And you'd say, wow, I love that little snack, Pastor. Well, but what happens if I would increase your capacity and say, I, I'd like to give you this amount of M&Ms this morning. Are, are you getting hungry? But you know, that would not be according to the riches that I have of M&Ms. Because I'd like to carefully think about capacity. See, if someone offered you some candy, which capacity would you bring to the table? Your small hand? Your father's larger hand? Or would you just bring a candy jar and say, would you please fill this up? God wishes and desires to increase our capacity spiritually so we can deal with the things of God. But think often, we don't have that kind of mindset. We say, how little can I take God at his word? And I have a quote I'd like to read for you, a quote that has touched my life for more than 20 years. This quote is, I would like to buy $3 worth of God, please. Not enough to explode my soul or disturb my sleep, but just enough to equal a cup of warm milk or a snooze in the sunshine. I don't want him to change me enough to make me love a black man or pick beets with a migrant. I want ecstasy, not transformation. I want the warmth of the womb 
not a new birth. I want a pound of the eternal in a paper sack. I would like to buy $3 worth of God, please. What that quote is saying is, I, I don't want to worry about my capacity. I don't want God to enlarge me so that I have to deal with more and more things. Here's the reality. Each of us are frail containers pulsating with divine power and presence. And I think the first thing that we can pray, just like Paul is saying here, is God... Strengthen my inner being, my inner man, the spiritual part of my life, so that I will have greater and greater capacity in the days to come. That would be a great place to stop this prayer. But Paul goes on and he builds off of that to the next petition, found in verse 17. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. So fill in your blank, rooted and grounded in love. He's talking about botany and buildings. He's talking about deep roots and a solid foundation. And those two words there are in the perfect tense. So what does that mean? It is a past action that has continuing results. And so as God enlarges our capacity in the first petition, he's now saying, now may our roots and may our foundation go deep into Christ and may it be built on love. Notice that, rooted and grounded in love. And this is not so much a feeling. This word love here, the emphasis is on unconditional commitment. And we have to remember that God has given us his unconditional commitment to be with us. Now, what surprised me was in the first part of verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Well, Christ has taken up residence in each one of us the moment that we have placed our faith in Jesus Christ is our Savior from sin. So he does live in my life. But as I studied this idea of dwelling in our hearts, our heart is the controlling center from which life is comprehended and choices are made. That's my heart. But this word here, to dwell, has the idea to settle down, to be at home with, it means to live as if I know who really owns the home. It speaks of the lordship of Jesus Christ. We know who owns this home. And so what is the result of this prayer? We'd like to know more the indwelling Christ. This is not the initial indwelling, but this is an increase that he goes through our different parts of our life called the, the home of our heart. He goes into our closets. He goes into the junk room. He goes in other places and begins to clean things out. And so there comes a point where he can sit down in the easy chair there next to the fire and say, you know what, Brian, 
I feel at home in your life. You have made me Lord. I have found your lifestyle reflecting love for others. And my life, Christ says, I'm seeing expressed to others through you. And all this is done through faith. We could stop the prayer there, could we not? But he goes on with a third petition, starting in verse 18. May have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. The third petition in this prayer is to comprehend the love of Christ. And the word comprehend there means to grasp, to, to reach out for a goal and then hold on to it. He says this love is just almost immeasurable with length, height, depth. And it describes not so much the dimensions of love, but the immensity of the love which we wish, he wishes for us to comprehend. Now, you have heard of an oxymoron, I think. Jumbo shrimp. Two words that don't seem to fit together. Well, here in the text, in this petition here, we have a biblically, a biblical oxymoron. He said, I want you to know, to comprehend, to understand love. But notice in verse 19 it says, that surpasses knowledge. I want you to know something that you cannot know. What an expression. Because what you come to know is that to know this love that is beyond knowing can only be known by experience. You have to live it. To love, to know the love of Christ experientially. So what is the result of this petition? It's abundant love. But notice I, I dropped past a phrase in verse 18. To have the strength to comprehend with all the saints. What are the dimensions of this love? This abundant love can only be known in community. Now, what does that mean? I understand God's love as it pours into my life, and I am humbled by that happening. But all of a sudden, I see someone else that God's love is pouring into their life, and he's taking care of them and providing for them in ways that he's never taken care of, provided for me, because I have not had those needs. And as I begin to collectively see the love of God lived out in the community of faith, I understand more fully the dimensions of God's love. No individual believer can assimilate the mystery. It takes all of us working and living in community to make the love of Christ understandable. 
So not only are we to grow in our faith, that was the first petition, and secondly, rooted and grounded in love, we're to live it out. Here in this third petition, we're to know in community and to serve one another because as we serve one another, we see the love of God spread in our lives. What a prayer. But he goes on for a fourth petition, the end of verse 19, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Nothing lacking in our relationship with the Father. He is asking that God's moral excellence and perfection we would experience for ourselves. This filled with the fullness of God. Jews and Gentiles, believers, understood this and they could love one another past racial lines because they were filled with God. What is the result of this prayer? God's fullness. An even greater increased capacity for spiritual things. What a prayer. Spiritual strength resulting in enhanced spiritual capacity, rooted and grounded in love so that we will live out our faith by the indwelling Christ and that we understand we answer to him because this is his house now, not mine. Third petition, to comprehend the love of Christ that is incomprehensible. And the only way I can do that is in community, and I will understand abundant love. Fourthly, filled with God. So that God's fullness increases my capacity for spiritual things, and I will stand, understand even more so what God wants to use me for. What a prayer. But he's not done yet. What a prayer. The preceding requests have been vast and bold and, and seemingly impossible. But Paul says, God's able to do even more. Look at verses 20 and 21. The great benediction. Not a him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. See, Paul seems to want to use every word possible to convey to us the vastness of his power. And so let's look at this, verse 20. Him who is able. Is God able? Yes. He's God. But Paul says, I, I need to say more than that. Not only does he have the potential to do things for us, he does do them. He translated into action. He's able to do what we ask. And so we come to him in prayer. But also, he's able to do even what we're thinking about. That's even more than we usually ask. And then he says, you know what? 
He is able to do what we ask or even think about. He is able to do not just some of the things we think or ask about. He's never challenged. He's able to do all that we think or ask about. And if that weren't enough, he is able to do more than all we ask or think. He is able to do more abundantly than we all we ask or think. And if it weren't enough, Paul says, he's able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think. See, how great is our God? Years ago, J.B. Phillips wrote a book called Your God is Too Small. It's a great book, but the title says it all. Your God is too small. And for all of us here that are listening, our God, we limit him. And he is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think. And this work, this power is at work within us. See, God's power works in accordance with a believer's spiritual strength, intimacy, capacity. And Paul prays that everything will be increased. And at the end, starting at verse 21, to God be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Ultimately, God gets the glory. This should move us to worship, not just give him our list of wants. It should cause us to fall to our knees and to say, God, you can do anything you want to in my life. Do it. Now, what does this mean for us? couple things this morning. Number one, the Spirit will not, increasing, will not increasingly empower a person who is unwilling and inattentive. What am I saying? Is your thought today, God, I just want three dollars of you. I, I don't want my, my capacity increased. I, I don't want you to be more at home in my life because I recognize the Lordship of Jesus Christ and he is more comfortable in my life than he was five years ago. I don't wish to clean up those closets that have the junk that I have swept into them. If that's your case this morning, I humbly ask that you would repent. That you would say, God, I don't want to limit you to $3. I want you to do a work of grace in my life that would change me from the inside out. And God, would you start today? I have, I have held on to those sins those areas of my life that have not brought you glory. Change me. 
That would be a great start for so many. Secondly, would you pray for yourself that God would strengthen, dwell, that you would grasp the love of Christ, that you would be filled with the fullness of God? Those are four petitions that you could pray every day because they are so all-encompassing. And, and also I would ask, would you pray that same prayer for someone else, for your mate, for your children, for your parents, for your neighbor, for others within the body of Christ? Would you pick someone out and say, God, increase their capacity. God, help Christ dwell more in their lives comfortably. God, may they experience and know in community the love of Christ. And, and may people see God in you. Also, would you begin to search and study the scriptures to understand the love of God until love becomes the motivation for your life? I, I challenge you, we all of us seem to know 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 7. But go to 1 Corinthians 13 and read verses 1 through 3. And there you will see that without love, even my best actions account for nothing if they are devoid of love. And finally, would you remember, remember that you're loved. Now, you're loved by me, but that's small potatoes. You are loved by God. He has committed himself to you forever. He wants you to grow. He wants you to reflect the very character of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's working every day, even through these difficult times of uncertainty. He is working at his plan in each and every one of your lives. Now, why do I need to apply this? Because I need all of us to work together so that we fully comprehend the love of Christ in each of our lives. We need to see it lived out in our own lives and in the lives of others so that we will understand in a greater sense what that love is. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this marvelous prayer, prayer at its best, that challenges us to live our lives in such a way that we are praying these four petitions for ourselves and others. May we understand in a fresh way the love you have for us, your commitment to us. And Father, as things get hard, as we get weary, remind us of the work that you are doing supernaturally in each one of us by the power of the Holy Spirit. May our love for you continue to be reflected in other people around us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Goodbye.